in the YouTube creator portion of YouTube when you're like uploading stuff and you get to see all your data and all the comments and everything that are thrown in. I didn't realize this when I first started out, but I eventually figured out that YouTube hides all of the comments that are like controversial and you have to like go in and look at them and then see, you know, what controversial things people are saying on your YouTube videos. And so like when I first discovered it, I opened it up and found all kinds of good stuff. So I responded in one of my videos, I responded to um, this lady who basically said I wasted her time, but then I guess felt the need to spend time telling me that in the comments. And I kind of uh, highlighted it in one of the videos that we shown, but um, I gotta say, I'm like really disappointed in you guys. I have been looking at that section ever since I figured out it was there and there haven't been any more comments. Like, where are all the spicy people at? I know you're on YouTube. Spicy people. I know you're on YouTube. Come on. Where's the comments? Where are you guys at? Hey, everybody. My name's AJ, and this is The Wealthy Idiot Show. Before we get any further, please make sure to smash the like button for the YouTube algorithm. Helps us out tremendously, and with every like, subscribe, comment, it helps spread our videos and helps or it helps us expand the channel, but it also helps people hear the message that we're trying to get across, which is that anybody can do this. It's it's easy enough that anybody can do this. And so I hope that if you're passionate about this as well, please help us out. So I've been thinking a lot about this whole infinite banking and whole life concept for a while now. And I keep coming back to, like I just don't see the benefit specifically of using whole life and infinite banking. Pretty much everything that I can do in that system, I can do in my own brokerage account and I could do it better in my own brokerage account. And so my only thought is like, maybe this system is just built in a way where it kind of alleviates the stress. Like people just don't have to really think about it too much. And the fact that like, you know, I, I research finance stuff all the time as a hobby. I get on YouTube and explain finance stuff that I've discovered. I'm a real estate investor. I invest in the stock market. I've got basically every kind of account you can think of from high yield savings to Roth IRA to a 401k. And I still have trouble wrapping my head around why I need a whole life insurance plan. I just don't get it. I don't understand. And even with all this research that I'm doing, I've talked to people, commenters, um, gone down to people's offices and talked to them and I still don't really get it. I don't really understand what the whole thing is, but I want to take a look at this from a different angle today. And that angle is going to be like, if we were the ones creating a whole life insurance company, how would we do it? What would it look like? And I think if we break it down a little bit, we can kind of see where the points are where we can make money while making it seem like this is useful. And I think it might actually show why you would want to spend the time to figure out how to do this stuff yourself as opposed to buying whole life insurance. And by do this stuff yourself, I basically mean just open a brokerage account and then start investing in things like the um, S&P 500 index funds, right? I mean, this is not financial advice, that's just an example, but you know, I'm gonna kind of, I think we walk through this and we can kind of explain what's going on. So the first thing I wanna talk about is what is insurance? not life insurance, car insurance, just insurance generally. The entire concept of insurance is that we're spreading 
Like a group of people are spreading the probability of needing that insurance across a lot of different people so that we can cover the costs of the people who need it against the costs of the people who don't. And what I mean by that is, let's say we're gonna create a life insurance company. We know that the average, let's say male, I mean, obviously we want a lot more specifics if we were actually gonna start this, but I'm just gonna start with just human male, um, has a life expectancy of about 75 years. So if we have, that's the average, right? So some people will live longer, some people will live lower. And if we have everybody just sort of buy into that policy, all we have to do is cover the average of the policy with whatever people are paying so that we can pay out people on average at the age of 75 for whatever that death benefit is. So a really simple way for us to calculate this is to figure out how much time we have left. So in my case, I'm close to 35. I'm closer to 40, but let's pretend I'm 35 just for the sake of good round numbers. 35 to 75 is 40 years. I got 40 years left on my life. So if we figure out like on average, if a person makes it that 40 year time frame, we just need to make sure that there is whatever the death benefit is at the time that they're expected to, at the time that I'm expected to die, right? So if my policy is a million dollar policy, I need to make sure the average person is paying out a million dollars by that date at least. So I'm gonna um, point you at the Wealthy Idiot website real quick. We're gonna take a look at some data and um, you could check it out for yourself, thewealthyidiots.com. We have a compound interest calculator. It's really cool for checking out all kinds of stuff. Right now we're gonna do it in terms of how to calculate what we need for life insurance. So let's take a look. Okay, so what we have here is a blank screen. Um, we're gonna do zero for our initial investment because we're just starting our life insurance policy we're going to do a contribution of $100 per month for 40 years, because that's how long I expect to live. And we're going to calculate this against the average S&P 500, um, just the average return, which is 10%, just a little bit over 10%. It's closer to 11, but 10. All right, so with $100 per month, that gets us to $531,000 by the time that we're 40 years old. So that's a little low. We want to be at a million. So let's see, 150. Nope, still too low. 200. Now we're just a smidgen too high. 190. Ooh, that's pretty close. 185. Nope, too low. 197 or 187. 186. Ah, that's about, I don't know, 186. Nope, too low. 87, 88, 89. There you go. All right. So pretty close to $189 per month over the course of 40 years would give us um, 1 million, well, pretty much $1 million. The, dis the, the problem with this and the reason that we want insurance is that um, some of us will die earlier on before we get to that $1 million point. So the idea is like, if we want to guarantee that our family will have a million dollars when we die, we'll buy insurance that will cover to a million dollars and people who keep that insurance past that $1 million value, they are going to like, if they, they, you know, they live longer than we expect. They're going to pay for the people who live less than we expect. And ultimately we're going to average that stuff out. We know that if we were to just put our money into a, a brokerage fund, we can get a million dollars in 40 years. That's not too difficult. So, uh, but if you've messed around with whole life, just generally, you're, you're going to see that in a million dollar benefit is not going to be $189 per month. It's going to be significantly higher. So let's see if we can find how much that would be. 
All right, so on the screen, you're looking at a website that is estimating what whole life is going to cost per age for a million dollar policy. And I get that this is averaged out and there's like a million different factors because, you know, life expectancy changes is not just like on average, it's 75 per male. It also changes if you're a smoker, what your health is like generally. Um, they'll reduce the cost if you take a physical and you come out looking really good. So it has a lot of variability, but the average for 35, which is what we're doing, is $1,020-ish per month is how much you're paying to get a million-dollar policy. But if you look at, if we go back to our graph, what we just calculated, on average, we can get, you know, someone by the time of, you know, average life expectancy, we can get someone's brokerage account to be about $1 million with only $189 spent per month. So where does this extra $800 go? In fact, let's put that number in this calculator right here just to see what would happen. So we said 20, yeah, 1,020. We will end up with $5,417,000 on average at the end of our life if we just invest this money as opposed to going to whole life. We're our whole life company. We're trying to calculate all this stuff out. We figured out that it will cost us about 190 bucks per month per person to cover our costs. But obviously we want to make some sort of profit. So, you know, in this case, our whole life company is charging like 800 plus dollars more than what it would cost. Um, so that is, you know, like the, the profit margin on offering this product is extremely high. The dilemma is that if we present a whole life policy like this, where we're like, hey, look, you know, we will, you know, give you a million dollar plan, you know, um, if you sign up at the age of 35 and you don't cancel it, right? And you, it goes on forever. And um, we will ensure that you get a million dollars regardless of when you die in that space. And let's say we add a little bit extra. So we charge 250. So we're like, all right, this extra 50 bucks is to cover ourselves in case of a bad year. We can invest that money, also pay our salaries, et cetera, 250. Okay. But people, you know, by statistical data, people are not going to put their money into that because let's, let's take a look one more time. All right. So where, where do we hit a million dollars right here? It's at about 24 years of investing. We hit about a million dollars. So if people get wise real quick to the fact that at 24 years, they'll be pretty safe if they put that amount of money into a plan and they did it themselves as opposed to going through us, then that means that they, that, you know, the rest of this time, they understand they're paying profit into our system. So it would be hard for us to convince someone to sign up for this when they can see like how poorly, you know, like how when they could see how quickly they could do this themselves. And why wouldn't you if you could just do it yourself, right? So in order to convince people that this is something that they have to have, let's share some of our profit with them. So if we're going to charge them $1,000, we'll share some of our profit. Let's see how much profit we could share before it becomes impactful. So right now, we need to make sure that we hit a million dollars at the end of this 40-year period. That's how we know that we're cutting even. And we are going to take a profit off of the top. And we don't know how much profit we're going to take off of the top. But it's going to be a percentage per year. So let's shave this down. If we went to 5, okay, so 1.5 million-ish on a 5% average return. Um, so let's go down to 4, 1.1. So somewhere around 3.5 maybe. Nope, 3.5 is still too high. A little too low. 
So somewhere around here, 3.36% is how much it's going to cost us to break even, which means that if we were to calculate, let's, let's bust out a calculator real fast here. If we were to calculate 10 minus 3.36, we'd come up with 6.64. So we could shave 6.64 off of the plan and still be solvent at the end. So somewhere between 6.64 is the profit that we could, you know, add to our customer. We could say that like, look, we're going to pay you back in a benefit um, or we're going to pay you back in a cash value is what they call it in whole life. We're not going to give it to you. You can't have it, but we're going to tell you that it's there. And um, then we're going to take the rest for ourselves. And that cash value will accumulate over time and you could take out loans against it in which you're going to pay interest. We'll take the interest off of the cash value that we were going to pay you anyways, right? So if you take the loan out to go do something with, we'll just shave the interest off of that cash value percentage. So we'll get more of that cash value percentage. You'll eventually pay us back. We're not terribly concerned about that. We could probably go get cheap loans somewhere. So like if I can go get a, a loan to cover your loan and that loan is 1% and I'm going to shave off, you know, three, five, seven percent off of uh, what you're getting that loan for. Well, then, you know, by default, that loan is free. Like it does, we don't even issue that loan. We could even charge you more by giving you that loan because we can get the loan for cheaper, charge you more interest. We'll take it off of the cash benefit, which means that there's more profit going into our pocket. And then at the end, as you're paying it back, you feel like you have something that you can claim as some sort of net worth value because there's this cash benefit there that we're going to hold on to right? Because we're going to keep investing it. We're not going to let that go. And then at the end of this period, we will end up with, you know, what did we say? Um, at the end of this period, we will end up with like 5 million something dollars over this 40 year time period. And your benefit will be worth about a million plus we're going to throw in a little bit of extra interest, but only on the cash value part, not on the rest of it. So that way it keeps our interest relatively low to the entire picture, right? So as the cash value increases really slowly, because you're paying us and we're going to charge fees. Everything's going to cost a bunch of money to keep us afloat. We have commissions. we got to pay to our salespeople. So then at the end, you know, you develop a cash value and usually it takes a couple of years to actually see a cash value develop. So you have a hundred dollars in cash value. You've paid us, you know, well over $20,000 and we'll put $500 in there as a cash value. And then we'll pay you, you know, like somewhere between three and 5% of that. So we're going to get like 10% on the whole amount. We might even put that money into things like, you know, dividend paying stocks or index funds on the whole market. And then um, we will make all that money while you're making some really small portion. And then, you know, when new people sign up, because a lot of people are new are signing up, they're not receiving cash value yet. They're just paying fees and sign up costs. We can use that money to cover some of these other costs so that we can keep this writing. So we're never actually touching this compounding interest within the company itself, within the insurance policy, unless we absolutely had to, like we couldn't find a, a better or cheaper option to do anything with. So coming from that perspective and thinking about it that way, like if I was trying to do this policy where I was trying to convince people that this was not only a life insurance plan that you're going to want, but because people can do the math and figure out that 
you know, we're shaving a lot off the top. Let's add this other benefit to try and convince people that this is a strategy that should work. Um, and then we could say like, look, you know, like, yeah, most people will end up, you know, could do this successfully themselves, but do you really want to learn all that? I mean, that's a lot to learn. Not everybody follows the wealthy idiots. Wink, wink, hint, hint. And also we'll do something like, um, we'll call it indexing, right? Where you don't take a loss on that money. You only ever gain or it goes down to zero. So on bad economic years where we're not getting this 10% return, you know, we'll take a loss on those investments. The compounding interest will slow down a little bit, and um, but we won't pass those losses on to you. But now on years where the stock market comes back, on average, when a bull market comes back immediately following a recession, on average, they return like 25% per year on the S&P 500 for the next four years. You're, we'll, we'll up your interest rate to 5% and we'll take the other 20%, right? Because we're playing the long-term averaging game. We really don't care what it looks like year to year. We got that part covered. So when you look at it from that perspective and the fact that like we figured out a way to basically shave bucket tons of cash off of this whole plan to convince you that this is the way to go, so after going through that exercise, kind of seeing how we could manage this to look like this plan is really beneficial to you and shave off like just a lot of money in this process to help fund ourselves and everybody involved in this. So like at the end of it, I just can't say that this is the best route to go. And I've gotten into a ton of debates with people, commenters, um, in real life, just trying to figure out what the best strategy is. And at the end of the day, if we could make our own $5 million and we could have the same benefits that we all just sort of talked about here without someone shaving off all of this stuff. And, you know, I get, you know, the, the volatility, the volatility of the market, like, you know, it sucks when it goes down, it's better when it goes up, but in the long run, we're averaging so much more doing this ourselves than having someone do it for us while taking fees. That's really basically it. Like, could I replicate all the features of infinite baking and whole life and everything that I just described as someone like if we were in a perspective of creating a whole life thing and all the features that we offer, they already exist. It's just that they exist without necessarily having to pay fees you know, and losing huge chunks off the top and having to pay people to do things that we could easily do ourselves. And I understand that it's complicated to do some of this stuff for yourself. It takes a lot of time and energy to try and figure all this stuff out. You know, not everyone is following the wealthy idiots. Maybe that's the route to go to learn how to do this stuff. And, you know, I think I, I would just strongly urge people to look into, you know, getting a brokerage account, Roth IRA, investing into some index funds, not financial advice, just look into investing into index funds and um, just letting it ride. Just let, let it do its thing and it'll go down and it'll come back, right? And that's usually what happens. And over the long haul, we're going to see like really good returns as opposed to giving our money to someone else to see a fraction of it come back to us, right? So um, yeah, I don't know. At the end of this whole investigation, unless somebody has something that I just am totally missing, I'm kind of leaning on the side of telling people like, learn this stuff and figure it out on your own. Get a brokerage account, do your own thing, right? And if you're struggling with that, follow Wealthy Idiots. Check out our website. We've got the information there to, um, to help you through all these scenarios. We're trying our best to explain how all this stuff works so that you can be the best you could possibly be at it. 
Yeah, but if you got anything else, you know, comment down below. If you have questions, anything I missed or any any questions you have, just generally throw them down below. You know, sometimes you get to do episodes off of those topics, so we greatly appreciate it. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I'll see you guys next time.